Good morning. Welcome to the Raising Worth podcast. We're so happy you're here on this beautiful November morning. If you're listening to this live, we are filming this in November of 2021, which happens to be adoption month. So the next couple episodes are going to be specifically on adoption. I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. It is with my beloved husband, Zach Hepworth, also co Uh, voice of this podcast (laughs) and we share and basically hear a little bit from him about his adoption story. He was adopted by his father and it's just a really, really special, vulnerable, just, gosh, I just love this man and I love the way that he gives language to his adoption story. So this episode is coming at you live from our little tiny box office in our house and we hope you enjoy. All right. Good morning. Good morning. It is podcast day yes and it is november already (laughs) it's november which means it's all things adoption um for the world and the country and families that are in the adoption circle which is a big deal so most of our episodes this month will highlight adoption hopefully bring some great conversation to the adoption world and those considering it maybe those in it maybe all the above So for this episode, if you have not heard Zach's story, he was adopted by his father. So he is considered an adoptee. And so I want to interview him and ask him a few questions. And for deeper insight into Zach's story, you can go into season one and listen to the episode, Who Are the Hepworths? And we go into greater detail of his story. But for starters, we are trying to keep these episodes a little bit shorter, so we're going to jump all in. So, Zach, will you shed a little bit of light into your adoptive story? Yeah. So, um, kind of starts out is just me and my mother. My biological father had, you know, kind of left the scene before I was even born, um, and really didn't want anything to do with you know this family that he had started right so I never even met him he was never really even in the picture and uh it was just for the first two years of my life it was me my mom and my nana and we all lived together and that was my normal um and then my mom met my father around the time I was like two two and a half I don't know the exact number um but they met and that was kind of what was normal to me after that. Never really thought anything about it. Um, you know, when I was, you know, like super young, obviously it's not really a conscious thought. I don't really question much. But as I, uh, as I got a little older, I just started to, you know, see differences, I guess, in the things that I was interested in. Um, I started to see differences like, my skin always was a little darker, you know, than, than my other family members. Hair my hair was, was my hair was a lot curlier. Um, you know, there was just like, there was like these subtle differences. And it didn't feel like it was, you know, different enough to really like question anything. But I always just kind of had this like curiosity in the back mm-hmm. of my mind. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't until um, I was 13 years old. That I actually found out um, that you were adopted was a, by your dad. That I was adopted by my father. That he wasn't yeah. my biological father. And that was um, that was a very difficult time to find out. Um, it was kind of you know it was also under unfortunate circumstances that um, I found that out. 
my parents were going through a divorce at that time. And uh, yeah, it kind of it threw me for a big loop. Um, so pause right there. I want to ask you a yeah. few questions in that process. Yeah. So you were adopted by your dad at a young age. So he was the main, he was your dad your whole life growing up. But you had always noticed all these things, mm-hmm. uh, differences. And then at 13 years old, you find out, right. oh, wait a minute. Okay, I was actually adopted by my dad. Tell me if you can remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, that is a really hard age to find out that you were adopted. Tell me, do you think yeah. your childhood would have been different? You had an amazing childhood, a great childhood. But do you think your childhood would have been different if you had known since you were younger that you were adopted? Absolutely. And I don't know what that would have looked like. Um, but it definitely would have been different. It wouldn't, there wouldn't have been as much like whiplash at 13 um, when I found out. Uh, and I wouldn't, I don't think I would have like, kind of like quietly wrestled with myself and my own thoughts yeah, about these, like these feelings I had that I felt different, you mm-hmm. know, cause I always felt that way. Mm-hmm. There was like this intuitive sense that I was a little different or something was a little different about me. Totally. Right. And it didn't become clear to me. Um, even when I found out when I was 13, like that wasn't necessarily clarity that, that actually brought a lot of confusion for me. Right. right. So I hadn't reached a point of clarity. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it was like, I thought my, you know, whole whole childhood that these were my, both of these, you know, were my biological parents. Find out my father isn't. And so there was a, a period of confusion for me. And it probably wasn't until like my 20s when I started to get a lot of clarity on uh, why I was different, like what I was feeling when I was younger. Yeah, totally. Um, but I do think that every, you know, child right? Every adopted child, um, or every child in general has some sort of intuitive sense of like where they come from. Like, I really believe in that, you know, I really believe that, um, you know, God has given us this like special connection with our, you know, our mother and our father, uh, biologically, whether or not they're there. Right. Um, and obviously as we know with research and experience, like those connections can be recreated, with um you know parents that aren't biological which is amazing right. like i think it's most one of the most incredible things that you can just blend in to a family that's not necessarily biologically yours yeah but you can be loved in a way and integrated mm-hmm. in a way where it is just the same almost as you know your own biology mm-hmm. so anyways going back to the yeah. intuitive sense right. i think that like every you know child has that and so being able to talk about that from a young age is important because the child is feeling it. There's I was shame. feeling it. Tell me your emotions when you found out. Like, did think you I have just, shame? No, I don't no think I was. A, I don't think I was ashamed at all. Um, you know, that wasn't something I felt. But did I think you I was distrust? really trust. I think I was really angry. Yeah. And I remember actually that year of my life. I remember thinking like, I will no longer, no longer follow any authority figure. Ah, I remember yeah. thinking that like. You know, wow. one form or the other, it was kind of, I wouldn't be able to articulate it like sure. that at 13, but yeah. that was what I felt. And it's kind of how I lived my life That's for quite a while. I- I'd lost a lot of like trust in that moment. For sure. You know? um, and then I felt distrustful with other authority figures. And it took a long time before um, I could I could feel like I was trusting somebody who is in a place of authority so let me ask you this when you found out was it like 
positioned from um, in the conversation like, hey, we're really sorry we didn't tell you? Or was it, hey, we're sorry you found out? You know, it's kind of funny because um, even even just to like really frame up like what's going on is the 90s, right? You know, let's let's that. frame it up, right? It's the nineties. <laughs> adoption is so different than the oh, conversation like around the conversation it. around adoption. Like even just like the social acceptance of adoption 100%. was not like it is today. Yeah. So it wasn't my celebrated. <clears throat> no, it wasn't celebrated. Um, my parents are trying to navigate this in the nineties, like trying to do the best they can do with pretty much no resources. Right. I mean, nobody's like creating podcasts or creating content yeah, totally. or like i'm sure there were instagram some instagram accounts right no social media right i'm sure there were some books you know but it's like where would you have found those books right you know it's like there wasn't a lot of access for them mm-hmm. so um yeah like it, it was just a different time in talking about adoption there's a different time in being adopted and so um when they when they told me um I mean, I don't, I don't really remember that exact moment, you know, what I remember from it. And this is, you know, the mind is, is fickle. So this could be like a, you know, not the best memory, but I just remember it was my mom who gave me some pictures, right? That's what I remember. And I saw those pictures to this day. And, you know, she said she wanted to tell me something like, this is how I remember it. Right. And so she showed me and it wasn't like. I don't know that she, you know, was like, I'm sorry, but, you know, the kind of the feeling of that moment of that time was, um, there was, it felt like there was a bit of like remorse or a little bit of sadness that like, sure, this is being revealed or this is being, you know, told to me. But again, like I said, this is all very cloudy, you know, it was a, it was a, there was a lot going on right. when I found that out. Right. Um, and honestly, I probably need, you know one of my parents to clarify like what actually happened in that moment but that's how I felt from it and uh and then it was kind of like this like weird journey from there yeah yeah so you find out later in life you're adopted do you did you feel like you processed that with anyone you said that you kind of came to terms with it later in life so being a 13 year old you're like I want to play my Nintendo and oh and go outside and play with my friends did you, from the situation that you remember recalling it, were you kind of like, okay, thanks for telling me, and then brushed that under the rug, and then just kept living your life, and then that's when you were like, later in life, we were like, whoa, let's let's process this. Yeah, I think what happened, um, I'm kind of an idealist in some ways, right? Where uh, <laughs> if something like that, you know, that to me was so perfect, right? Like my, my, my family structure, you know, I felt very secure as a kid. Um, up until that point, all that kind of like crumbled. Yeah. Right. And then I, I just, I felt like I went into like survival mode from there. Um, so I didn't process it at all. I completely brushed it under the rug. was like, ah, eh, doesn't bother me. No big deal. Right. No big deal. Can't trust anybody, but no big deal. You know, that's, I guess that's how we're going to do this thing. Wow. And so I, there was a lot of like pain, a lot of disguise pain. I was an angry kid. Yeah. You know, um, Bef- after that you're saying, or did you feel like even before that you found out that I was angry? Yeah. No. You had been angry before. No. Oh, I, I say see. no. Oh, like I, see. Okay. I, f- 
I mean, of course, like yeah, every like little natural. kid gets angry. <laughs> totally. but, but I was started the. I was an angry young like teenager. Yeah, like angry. Yeah, you know. And a you, lot. Would, you would equate it to that experience? I would say that that influenced it a lot. Yeah. Like, you know, that was a big part of it. Yeah. Because then cool. what happened to me outside of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, at that point, I realized, oh, this is interesting. Like, my biological father is black. Yeah. Like, my biological father is pretty dark skinned. Like, even, you know, yeah. he's not like light skinned. So, but I, I, you know, if you look at me, I'm not that dark. Right. And so But you're you're caramel. Yeah, but you're, you know like, but it's not like anybody be able to tell that totally. like my father's my father's literally like half African. Yeah. Right? Right. Like, so my biological father. And so that was always interesting because I even remember like innocently like saying that like to somebody mm-hmm. and they're like laughing at me. Right. And making fun of me. Yeah. So so I experienced that. Right. And then on the other side, like that's my home front. And then on the other side is like the school front where literally people are making fun of me mm-hmm. for. <laughs> I don't even know why they're making fun of me. You yeah. know, it's like I'm just like I'm like literally no, like this is my this is my father mm-hmm. and I'm trying to express like who I am in mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. And they're basically denying that that's the case. Like, right. no, you're not black. Yeah, you're not even you're not even part black, you know. You're, you know, you're a white kid trying to be black. Yeah. You know, I remember people saying that or yeah. like, oh, you think you're, you know, you think you're colored or something like that. Like, blah, blah, blah. and mind you, I'm growing up in the probably one of the whitest places on planet Earth. Shout out to Meridian, Idaho. Yeah. If you live there, you know how white it is. Yeah. And this is the, you know, this is the early 2000s. Right. And there's no love, you know, when it comes to like mixed race. and right. all that. It was a lot of wrong things that went down um in those hallways but i I had to deal with that and and that was very tough for me so that made me more angry so i was angry about you know what was going on at home i was angry about what was going on in the halls of school that's hard you know um that is a lot to deal with at 13 years old and then obviously that sparks into yeah exposes you to more in high school and so and you i've heard you share a lot um over the years of how you like you were never white enough and you were never black enough. Yeah. You were kind of in this weird tension of like Yeah. And then later finding out, okay, my biological father's black. Yeah. But that still didn't you didn't feel like that still instantly validated this like gosh, like you were always right in the middle not knowing kind right. of where you fit and you weren't you didn't get accepted by the white kids, you didn't get accepted fully by the black kids. You share that you were more um, inclined and like your whole life, you always gravitated and you culturally, you were like, man, this is the culture I love. This is the, you know, like, yeah. So will you expand a little bit on that? Yeah. Um, well, I would, I would say that like the way that I would phrase it is I just, ne- I felt like I was always in between. Right. Um, like I did, I, I felt like I wasn't like when I'm not right. Just biologically, I'm not fully white and I'm not fully black. Right. I'm not African, you know, and I'm not, you know, German or French or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. so there was always this like weird tension mm-hmm. when it came to like who I would hang out with, right? right. Who I wanted to to run around with, like yeah. who I wanted to, you know, grow up with and um, and just, you know, have as homies. And uh, I always related to both, yeah. right? Like I always felt like, you know, I growing up in a fully um, white household, but at the same time, like I had these proclivities and these interests and, you know things that 
were more of like black culture, right? right? And so um, I found myself really gravitating, you know, towards that. Um, and I remember the very first time, like I actually found somebody that understood where I was coming from and really started to help me articulate it was uh, a buddy of mine who's, who's still a friend, you know, a good friend of mine to this day. Um, you know, his, his family is from the Congo originally. Mm -hmm. They went from the Congo to Kenya and then from Kenya, I believe here to the States and mm -hmm. found their way to Boise, but him and I became best friends, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, you know, I, I always really related to him. I always really related to, um, just like his view on life really. Mm -hmm. And so we became like really, really close. And it was my first, you know, black friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I would say like one of my first like really deep like friendships. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, so it was to to answer your question fully like it was really weird um, navigating that space and mm -hmm. kind of feeling like a go between you mm -hmm. know in a lot of ways like mm -hmm. um, later on in life like that was kind of middle school and that was just really tough like figuring all that out. But when it came to like high school like I felt like you know could hang out with you know. Uh, both, you know, both parties, right? Yeah. And so I kind of felt like a go-between there. Um, but yeah, it was just always kind of this weird tension yeah. of being mixed yeah. and not knowing, like, my place in the world, right? For it's sure. Like, what it felt like, like, For sure. Who am I supposed to hang out with? Like, yeah. I, I don't know, like, where... <laughs> where you well, know, and, I gonna... you know like you just said your options you're yeah. in meridian idaho so 90 totally. percent of your options were white kids but then the few yeah you know black kids that were in your school you instantly connected with so totally. it showed that you had this inclivity to like kind of like obviously that there was a part in you culturally and they kind of like you said yeah. they brought light to wait this is how i feel i feel seen when i'm with these people totally I feel, that's you a good know, way to put it so, okay. So then in the adoption, obviously you and I listen to a lot of adoption resources. And so we hear a lot of adoptees, we hear a lot of adoptive parents and a big question within the adoptees is if it's an option, right. do you want a relationship with your biological parents? Right. Do, would you, you know, obviously right now there's so many genetic resources where it's easier to track down birth parents. And I remember when you and I were just friends and you were sharing all of your story, that's obviously the first question that comes to light is, right. is there anything in you that wants to meet your biological father? And you've always said no. Yeah. So we share a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, my father um, is amazing. Like he's an amazing man. And, uh, and for clarity for listeners, when he says his father, he talks about his adoptive father. Just yeah, to make yeah, that really that, clear. That's good. Yeah. So I consider the only father I have would be my adopted father. Right. Um, you know, biologically, Yes, you know that that's the man that uh, you know created me, like biologically. But I think I'm very firm on the idea that you know father is a really sacred title, and it's something that is um, you know earned in a way. Like there, there is something that is given out the gate, but you have to maintain it. Yeah, that's a better way of saying it. It has to be maintained. And so the the only person I consider my father is my adoptive father, and he was an amazing man. Um, he was always there for me. Yes. Um, in every way that he knew how to be there, he was there. And, uh, still is. and he still is for yeah. sure. For sure. He always showed up, you know, we're talking kind of past tense. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he always showed up for me. Um, and so I didn't ever really feel that I had missed out on, you know, what that meant. Now there are parts 
where um, parts of me that I believe come from my biological father that I felt like weren't fulfilled by my adopted father. Um, there were certain interests that I, I felt like I got from my biological father that my father didn't have. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't able to connect with him on that. Mm -hmm. And that was always sad to me. And I think at a young age, I may have in my head blamed him that he couldn't connect to those pieces. But as I've gotten older, I just realized that, you know, he wasn't necessarily meant to fulfill that. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, it, it ended up coming back full circle and other experiences. Sure. But um, yeah, so I think because I never felt like I missed out on on mm -hmm. what it meant to have a father that it really like quenched the thirst to actually like meet my biological father. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not like opposed to it. If if him and I were to meet my biological father, I'd be totally fine with it. But I'm not actively um seeking that relationship. And it's not been something I've ever really had the desire to do. Hmm. Um Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's fascinating. So a lot of times um what I've heard in conversations with yeah. adoptees is that they feel like they would hurt their adoptive parents and that's why they don't want to seek out their biological parents is because oh. they think they say I don't want them that that'll hurt their feelings yeah um, and that's often the conversation and the motive behind why they're not seeking out mm. just a not even wanting a relationship but just a conversation or just an introduction that that <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I was going to say so there's no. no part of you that's like oh I'm not reaching out to a biological parent no. because I don't want to hurt your no. adoptive parent that's cool. Yeah, it in my mind. Do you, could you see why an adoptee would say that? Oh yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. I I could totally see how um, in certain situations, like because because you know, often there are times where often where you know uh, a mother and a father they don't want to adopt out their child. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And it hurts them deeply. To to have to do that, yeah, right? It's such a broken, broken, yeah. broken and situation. A hundred percent. I can see why the child would be like, I don't wanna like connect with them because I don't want them to get attached to me and leave again. Right? Like I can see how that would kind of be the also the feeling. Yeah. Well yeah. But for me, like from my understanding, my biological father wanted nothing to do with me, right? Yeah. And so for me, it's kinda like, all right, bet. Cool. You don't want anything to do with me. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Ah, I have okay. a family though. Yeah. Right. So I can't change that. Sure. Right. I can't change this man. Right. And it hurts. Of course it hurts yeah. to know that, yeah. you know, he Someone, didn't want anything to do with me. Yeah. Anyone, you know, it's like, it hurts to feel that, let alone, you know, biological parent. Right. So that hurt. And I've dealt with that hurt a lot um, through, you know, my later years counseling conversation, prayer. Um, but the more I've thought about it, the more I've sat with it, it's like the more I've accepted, I can't change like who he wants to have a relationship with. Mm -hmm. And so that's why for me, mm -hmm. it's contextual, right? It's so contextual. Okay. For me, it's like, you don't want anything to do with me. Huh. I I have a, this beautiful life God has given me yeah. out of all this like pain. I have this beautiful life and I don't, I don't need you. Yeah. Right. 
and that so, might sound harsh. No, no, but I, it's like it's not harsh. If you don't want to be here, I don't need you to. So fill, let me ask you this hard wrong. question. Please, let's just pretend. We always go through this yeah. <laughs> hypothetical yeah, yeah. situation yeah. with Zach. I always say, let's just pretend it's Saturday morning. We're having breakfast with our family, and somebody knocks on the door, and you open the door. Obviously, we have photos of him. We know what he looks like, and it's him. Mm. I always ask my dad. Right. I mean, I always ask Zach. <laughs> Right. What would you do? Well, first of all, I wouldn't invite him in. We could sit on the porch, him and I, man to man, right? And then, I don't know. It would it would depend on how that conversation went, right? But I I, I wouldn't invite him in. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. So um, then, like you just said, uh-huh. you um, basically, <laughs> you don't want to introduce yourself to him or even have a conversation because originally he didn't want anything to do with you. And mm-hmm. so you said, Oh, I have a family. I don't need you. So let's just say right. this man, this is again, Zach and I always do this hypothetical situation. Let's say this man has gone on this crazy journey. We don't even know anything about him necessarily. Sure. Let's just even assume that he's alive. We sure. don't even know that he's alive. And he says, I have gone through this crazy encounter with Jesus. I have, you know, I'm now in a relationship with, you yeah. know, love, whatever. And then he says, it is on my heart to have a relationship with you. I Hit me with that Christian you. language yeah, I am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if that was the, yeah. the perspective or the tone he was coming at you from, uh-huh. would that change anything? No, um, it wouldn't. It wouldn't change anything because both ways I still... Feel I do feel compassion, and I do feel like um, I understand. Like I do, I understand. I don't. I guess I don't fully understand, but I can see why maybe he felt that way at the time, right? As a young, as a young man, right? Why he felt like I don't want anything to do with this. It's totally going to change my life. I get it, mm-hmm. right? And and for him, change my life for the worse, right? Is probably how he's thinking about it. Um, so I get it. But either way, like I have a family now and I'm not going to just invite him into my family. That's at least where I'm coming from. Right. Right. I would still, even if he knocked on the door and said, God himself sent me and like, this is my heart is completely changed. I mean, I would be obviously a lot more happy. Right. Um, I would, I would feel a lot more joy in my heart that that was the case. Mm-hmm. I would still sit down with him on the front porch. Yeah. Right. Yeah, of course. I would still... I would still wouldn't let him in the house. Yeah, there's a, you know? of course a caution. I don't care what yeah. kind of Christian language you throw at me. <laughs> exactly. There's going to be a protective, wise yeah. caution yeah. when someone has been absent yeah. from your life for 30 years. And this is all 31. hypothetical. Um, 31 but years. 31 years. I'm, I'm old. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, that's, but the still, it wouldn't change anything. Like it would, it would change like, obviously it would change my response in the sense that I would feel a lot more hopeful for him. Sure. Right. Sure. So, um, last question. So we're going to keep this as short as we can, but let's say, um, you have access, this is going to be kind of hard question to think quickly on. You have access to getting three questions, giving three questions to understanding your biological father and where you come from. Can you think of three questions throughout your childhood that you always asked that you would ask him? So then it would shed light. Like, let's just say this is my thing that comes to my mind. How tall are you and how tall was your dad? Because mm. understanding or are there any health concerns so, in your past? So we're on the same page, okay. right? Like I would want to know more about the family history, okay. right? Um, 
one of the things I always wonder and like something that someday I'll figure out is like where did like where exactly did my ancestors. you know not even ancestors because we know that now right we have we have an idea of where my ancestors come from but I want to know like where my great great grandpa on his side like where did he live you know and then where did my grandpa on his side I'd rather understand that like where were they at Right. I just wanted to know what part of the world they were in Mm -hmm. and like what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Like what were they into? Mm -hmm. Like that interests me, you know, like knowing like that history. Lineage and stuff. Lineage, yeah, on that side. So And just understanding like were there any health I that's always my big question is like are there health concerns? But I don't know that he could answer that. You know, so it's like something that I feel like I'm You wouldn't waste one of your questions on that. (laughs) (laughs) You only get three. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what I would ask him, you know. Um Obviously, I've had, consciously, I've had north of a decade to think about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've ever really developed, like, these are the questions I want to ask. Sure, man. See, this is so different the way that our brains, because I would just have this journal of questions. Um, Another question, if I were you, would ask is, how many children have you fathered? Like, how many siblings do I have? You know, like, are there people, like, how do you not know that you're not related? like... 12, 15. <laughs> From what we know, that wouldn't be surprising. Um, but it's like... I know I have like, you know, sisters. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. It's um, just like, it's a crazy, crazy I would like to meet mystery. them. You know, it's like, I would like to meet them. Okay. Know? So that that's a question. Cool. You would like to meet your half siblings. Here's, here's the thing though. All these questions come back to, I don't know that. Like, I would necessarily need to ask him that. Sure. Especially with... You know, resources what's it you called? have now. Twenty three and me. Yeah, twenty three and me. For sure. You know, so I don't know. It's just one of those things. Maybe I'd ask him, like, you know, like what were you thinking? Like, what was going through your head? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. was it fear? Was it pride? Was it that you know you didn't think that you were gonna be like a good enough father? You know, were you protecting me because stuff you were involved in? Was that how you? Is that how you viewed it? Like, what? What was? Yeah, what was your the motive? What was your mindset? Yeah. Like, what were you thinking? You know, yeah. that would be probably the one and only question that I would be interested in hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because I like context. <laughs> be, be, be good to understand well, I the think context. You've removed I like, yourself emotionally from the experience. I've that never now had. You want. I've never had any emotional attachment to it. Yeah, I've never even developed an emotional attachment to it. Yeah. and in a way, you know that. I think protected me in a way. Right. Like some people, you know, some children who are adopted, they they spend the first year with both of their biological parents. Yeah. Right? Or one. Yeah. And then, you yeah. know, they're adopted out. And then I mean then they have you have an emotional bond at that point. Oh, of course. He was I never he never held me. Right. I never saw him. Right. He never heard my you know, heard my voice. We were never around each other. Mm-hmm. So there was never an emotional bond created. In that sense. Right. So. Yeah. Man. Well, so. um, Kind of weird, weird stuff. No, it's interesting that you're saying all this because from all of the different interviews that I've listened to from adoptees, it's so fascinating. Um, Often kind of what you're sharing, your perspective is very common for males, but then a lot of the conversation um, within adoptees 
is different from females, yeah. but it's also so different because you were adopted by one parent. And yeah. so when people, when we say that Zach's an adoptee, people assume both parents right. were adopted. You know, there's so many facets and there's just so much context when it comes to adoption, especially adoptees. You know, it's, of course, it's going to be a different experience for an international adoption. Totally. Um, you know, or even especially where that international adoption took place. Like, there's just yep. so many layers. There is and to that's, adoption, and that's why I think it's so important. And and even when we went and we had this beautiful opportunity to adopt, it was like from the very beginning, we are going to talk about yeah. Liberia and celebrate. We're going to talk and, about yeah. you know Ganta. We're yeah. going to talk about like the tribes. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about. Um, the plane ride back. We're gonna, we, every little detail of the story is going to be just laid out. Yeah, you no know? shadows. No, no shadows, you yeah. know. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that's just so important because every, to your point, every child's going to feel differently. Yep. Every child's going to have different questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do you, the question is, how do you create a space where those questions are safe, and where they have answers, right? And if as the parent you don't have the answers, please don't just say, I don't know. And don't right? like, out of like yeah. figure out a way to get the answer. Mm-hmm. And then if you can't get the answer, say, I tried this, I tried that, I tried this, and I tried that, and I couldn't find anything. Right. So we'll have to keep looking together, or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it's, let's just say it's a photo of like, do you have a photo of my mom? Yes. Right. Don't just say, I don't. It's like, you might not, but you know what? That's that's uh, you know that's something I can see that you'd want to see, honey. Let me figure out if we can, or let me figure out how I can find a photo yeah. or something. You know, it's like mm-hmm. just making sure that that child knows that you've done everything on planet Earth possible to yep. make sure that that question is answered. And if for it's them. an option, also maintaining a relationship with whatever family you can, so then. That's right. can be you know nurtured right. throughout their lives, right? What which would be totally their decision later. Yeah, 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 and totally different from I feel like what we're talking oh, about. Oh, for in sure. My experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just, like, yeah. There really wasn't an opportunity for that. Yeah. But if of course that's our stance, I think you know if you listen to our other podcasts or anything else, our stance on that is if you can keep a relationship, yeah, keep some sort of a relationship. Well, because even I mean, let's just so bring that idea into yours. Yeah. Imagine the power you would have had the decision to not have a relationship where now the decision was made for you, right. which of course it's, it's worked out for, you know, you, how you want and how you feel is the best. But just imagine if you had the option and just right. imagine how that would have given you a little bit more control and power in the situation versus this is how it's going, yeah. you know? So last question I'm going to ask, I know I just said that this is for sure the last one is how has your experience as being adopted by one parent played into whether or not you wanted to adopt? Because originally I didn't, you didn't. Yeah. And then obviously you did. So share a little bit about that. Um, well, again, 13, all that happens. Um, that kind of put like a, uh, I don't know how to say it. Sour taste. Well, it put me in this position where I wasn't sure if adoption was a good thing. Yeah, right. Totally. Um, I had this confusion around it. It's like, ah, man, that was that was tough. Like, that was tough going through that and then and then working through it. Um, so, when initially you came to me and you were like, 
I want to adopt. I remember thinking, oof, I don't know if that's a good idea. And it was like all this like pain that I felt when you asked that. And it was this weird moment where I kind of had to, uh, I had to take it to God. Like really, like this is a moment where I really had to come before the Lord and be like, why do I feel this way? Um, And am I right? Like, is that, is that even a real feeling? Like, is adoption not a good idea? Like, is that a real, is that real? And as I continue to ask myself the question, all I realized is that like, I had just, I had been through a lot with, with that, you know, um, I'd been through a lot with that experience and that I just needed to work through it. Um, and, uh, from then on, I remember, I even remember like reading more about adoption in the Bible, like biblically, like how God felt about it, like the heart of the father behind adoption. And then I started to see the gospel through the lens of adoption. And that totally flipped yeah. my view on what was before us, right? Yeah. And uh, then at that point, it was like, man, this is the heart of God. Like adoption is the heart of God. Yeah. Um, there is such a beautiful opportunity to create family um, from this. And so that kind of changed my tone. Am I answering your question? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember if I'm like yeah, on track. I, I was just saying how so. your adoption story kind of, obviously that played into the question whether or yeah. not you were going to adopt. Yeah. And um, I just remember the difference in the journey that you went on in that like probably like two or three year period where it was like, nah, I don't, I'm not, you know, and you were honest. You're like, I'm not quite there. There's some things I want to work through. And right. then, you know, exploring like going to the Bible for answers and exploring that truth and saying, okay, wow, this really is, this is God. And it's such an interesting tension because adoption is the most broken, sad, sad, sad thing. Uh You know, it is so, but, and yet the story doesn't end in ashes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh. And yeah, there's a lot of little Christianese we could unfold from that, but it's just like, it really, um, right. You know, we were For sure. totally handpicked by God to like be Absolutely. in his family and um, placed and matched and, and paid for. And it's just yeah, like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it just, it'll wreck you if you kind of really meditate on it for too long. But yeah, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, every artist, right, they have their preferred material to work with, right? They have their supplies. And it's just funny to me, like the father loves brokenness he loves broken things like that's his preferred supplies i wants to find brokenness and he wants to create something beautiful out of it and i think that it's funny maybe funny is not the right word but it's interesting that i had such a rough experience with my adoption you know and what i really believe and i don't like to over spiritualize things or you know try and it's just so hard to to try and um, analyze everything, you know, in a spiritual sense. It's so hard to do that because there's so much we don't know. But I really do believe that on a principled level, like the enemy, right, evil in this world came to attack me in adoption, right? And it was like, it took years and years and years. But the reason why that was attacked was because I had this, calling, if you will, or I had this open door 
that God would, you know, set in front of me later on in life to adopt. And, you know, evil knew the light, the power, the freedom, the healing that would come out of that. And so if the enemy of your soul, if the enemy of, you know, uh, of the kingdom of God can keep us from, you know, walking through those doors will do anything to do it. Mm -hmm. And typically it's on those like huge, significant cornerstone assignments of your life that he attacks. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing that, um, like you said, from like the tragedy and the brokenness that, you know, the father hand selects people and creates these beautiful stories out of it. It's so good. So thank you for sharing your story. I know it. I can't imagine from your experience and your perspective, um, trying to share your story while honoring your family, your parents, honoring your story. Um, it's just even amazing how like the tone in your voice is so there's no embarrassment or like you're just really free in in your adoption story and I think it's really really beautiful and I can't imagine sharing that with the world to be honest I, I for my if that were my story I'd be like ooh you know there's just so much that you want to hide out of protecting right. you know your family and or whatever or protecting kind of maybe the way people oh, view you so yeah. I really, really appreciate your vulnerability to the world. And I think your experience and your story of adoption um, is going to give language to a lot of people that might not have it yet. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on your podcast. <laughs> it's been amazing, amazing to be here this morning. Yeah, and okay. I'm happy to be able to to share that. And thanks for asking those questions. Um, you know, it's really good to, to think through that. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys our episode today and uh, thank you guys for listening hey guys thank you so much for listening to this episode as always if it blessed you comment on our instagram on the post of it share it on your instagram and if it's on apple Podcasts or spotify share a comment because when you comment and rate our podcast it helps other people get a hold of this content so thanks for listening and we will see you next week